On last week's episode, I spoke with Lynn Vanti about the circumstances that led to her becoming romantically involved with Ollie Christian Back, a man who was wanted in 182 countries for financial crimes and was in hiding during their relationship. This week, we'll dive deeper into Lynn's story as she finds herself becoming Ollie Christian's liaison to the press and the conflicted feelings that came with falling in love with a wanted criminal. From Storic Media, you're listening to Codename Siren, a true crime podcast with Nina Hobson. So you decide that you, you're obviously in love with him. He's charming you. And so how long do you stay with him on that first occasion? First occasion, I was there for three days. When you were leaving that first time or, or at any time, was there any conversation from him, any instructions about, you know what, you're now in my world and I'm sharing it with you. So you now have to be careful. These things could happen to you. Was that those conversations happening between you? Absolutely. When he was like asking me to come back, he also said, I understand if you say no because of this situation and because of the situation it can put you in it can, and you have to be, you know, so it's like, I totally get it if you don't come back. So of course we had that uh, conversation and uh, every day we talked about it and, you know, and then it's like I had to be more careful, of course. And uh, when I understood, you know, how big this was and, you know, it went pretty fast from, you know, going down the first time to going down the second time and maybe change to our baya in this toilet in the Netherlands, you know. Tell me about that. Tell me what what happened there. It's like uh, when you travel and you know who you are traveled to, what uh, that you can be watched. Uh, then I understood pretty fast. Uh, they are watching me. And then in the second time was when I had to put a buy on in uh, the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, and travel, you know, with that one from the Netherlands. But then I think it was in April, we were going with uh, some journalists from Norway. Because uh, when he had to go, from Dubai to Oman when uh, the business plan and all of that didn't work out and he had to go and hide and hide and hide, you know, in the basement of the basement hiding. Then he needed cash to keep it going because then he couldn't be in Dubai uh, working. Right. Exactly. So then it's like, uh, and the news in Norway, they paid or she said she didn't pay she received a scoop prize for the best journalist, but then I was like, "Excuse me, but uh, you paid me, you know, fifty thousand Norwegian kroners in a paper bag. Have you forgotten? You, if your boss asks you that, you have to be honest, because I answered what you did. So that was also a big case in Norway when that happened. But they paid to have his interview. Right. Okay. And he needed cash at that point. He needed cash, so he arranged that with together with his lawyer, and they arranged it with an, uh, the top journalist from TV2, and her and me and the photographer was going to fly 
from Oslo to uh, the Middle East. And we did. And he was so afraid to tell them where he was. So when I met them on the, at the airport five o'clock in the morning, they thought that we were going to, let's say, Zurich. And I said, no, no, you have to book new tickets right here in the airport. We are going to Frankfurt. And then we are, when we come to Frankfurt, I will tell you where we are going. So it was like that. Right, right. Uh, and then I knew that I was also, you know, because they were all over, because it was like this then. Because then right before this, that paper I told you about, they phoned him again. And the big letters on the front page was, here he is, pick, 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 uh, dot, 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 again. And then the police got furious because that is the same paper has his picture twice with only like six, seven weeks in between, you know. So then they really started, started to circle it in, you know. So he basically, he ran a very um, fine line of trying to remain on the run and uh, away and unknown. But then in reality, there's certain things that was worth the risk for him to potentially jeopardize where he's at, his safety, his everything. One of the risks obviously is, is bringing you in because yes, you, you trusted each other to a degree, but he didn't really know you. You didn't really know him. And then he needs to sell the story because he needs money because things have gone wrong. So he was kind of running a very fine line. And then the police then get interested because of what they see in the paper. Did you ever feel that your life was in danger at any point from either side? Uh, I didn't feel that my life was in danger uh, because I asked him about that and he said uh, no. And I asked another one about that, and he also said no. And and the reason that he was on the run and was trying to work was actually to because of course, as many other plans, if it works, it works out. It's going to be you know perfect. And then because his goal was to fix up in the crazy things that he had done in Norway, and was why the reason why he was on the run. So that was his goal to pay them and to fix everything. Did he? Did he really believe? I mean, he'd been on the run for years. He he believed that he would be able to fix everything. Yeah, he actually at the point when I met him, he was uh, because he went on the run in October two thousand and four, I think, and I met him in January. I started speaking to him in the winter time. And at that point, he actually thought that uh, he would be able to fix a lot of things. Because then that was uh, what he answered me uh, at the beginning when I was asking, you know, why are you there? Why aren't you here? Why are you, know, because, and that was when he said, I am here because I want to try to work and fix up in everything, the mess I made for a lot of people in Norway. But surely he understood that, if anyone ever did catch up with him, he was going to prison. He, Regardless whether he was able to pay people back or fix any of the, the things, he knew he was going to prison for a very, very long time. Yes, he knew, and that was what he said, so I want to give it a go. So I will give it my last go and see if I can fix uh, some of the madness. 
Right. Okay. Mm. Before and uh, before I go in, or before uh, that time. Mm. But at this point, you've gone from you yourself personally. You've gone from contacting him via phone and talking to him, which and, and not knowing where he is. So therefore, there's no offence directed at you, no criminal offence, because you don't know where he is. So if anyone asked you, you couldn't ever say. Now you've changed because now you know where he is. And that's a criminal offence because he's wanted by Interpol and you're not you're not declaring your knowledge. So how are you personally dealing with that? Because your heart, you're in love with this guy, you're fascinated by him, you believe he's a great person and a gentleman and everything that you saw, how are you internally dealing with the fact that you have now committed an, a criminal offence because of him? And, um, you know, you have kids and you've just mentioned your son. So you're, you're very, you know, being a mom I know from the little that we know of each other is very, very important to you. So how are you dealing with that kind of tugging on your heartstrings and your understanding of what could happen to you? Uh, at that time, of course, uh, it's like uh, everything else in life, isn't it? You should uh, wish you knew what you knew now back then. But at that time, uh, again, uh, when I uh, had met him once and I was like uh, thinking about going down for a second time, I contacted my client that uh, I used to do the hair, which is a lawyer, and asked, is it illegal to travel and see him? And as long as you have not been, uh, as long as I haven't been uh, done anything of his crime, and obviously I haven't, you are allowed to go and see a person that's on the run without having, you know, uh, consequences by the law because I wanted to know, is it illegal for me to do it uh, by the law? And if it was legal for me to do it by law, it's like then I can uh, make my own decision, you know, if I would do it. And But I never thought that it was going to um, affect me, of course, the way it has done. Um, I feel uh, because I didn't expect him to die. Sorry, that's okay. So, um, so now, uh, sorry. <laughs> still, it still, yeah, it still affects me actually when I, when I see, when I sit down and think about it because I think it's just a tragedy that it happened the way it did in the end. But it is what it is. But no, I wasn't uh, thinking that it, uh, because I knew, uh, because I checked with a lawyer, so I knew uh, that I would be good. Uh, it was only the consequences of my choices that would uh, and has affected me and my life. As, as a ex-police officer, you know, and I don't know what, what the situation was in, in those years that this happened, but it clearly would be an offence now because you would be aiding and abetting and conspiracy and blah, blah, blah um, when somebody is wanted. But um, how were you feeling knowing all this was going on and knowing that you couldn't really get out of it because you were going with your heart? Um, how were you thinking it would end? I was thinking in the beginning. I was thinking it would end that uh, the way that uh, when he started to talk, is, you know tell me about his plans and his business and all of that, it was like okay, if he can do that, that will be fine for everyone that's involved. Uh, 
I thought it would end like that he will fix it or that when I understood uh, during the road that he couldn't fix it, then I was trying my best to get him to get go home. And that was what he was on his way to do. But as he said to me, I don't want to go home in July because it's prison holiday. Everyone is, so then you go to custody and I don't want to sit there for eight weeks. So then I can wait. I will go back in August. And he was on his way. I was doing his stuff back then. The last month, I was the one that was try and traveling to the journalists, you know, so doing the, um, you know, uh, meetings with them, negotiation, give them pictures, have the money back, go back to Ole Christian with them. In the end, we were like, I went over to Norway to meet another lawyer because as he said, no, he said, and that was in June, late June, he said, no, that you know and have known me for uh, some months, you understand. If I'm going home to do the trial, I can't use this lawyer. And I said, nay, I understand that because it's very gray, isn't it, where he is working. So then I went to Norway to meet with a proper lawyer. <laughs> also, you know, understand me, misunderstand me, right? And, uh, to, and then he uh, planned for him to go back and turn himself in the 11th of August. So that was the plan in the end. And was that something that you think you were instrumental in? You know, he realised he had to do that in order for you two to eventually do what you wanted to do with the rest of your lives. Yeah, I was. Uh, we were talking, of course, a lot because uh, uh, he had uh, he has uh, four children and I have two. So uh, in the end, when I was like, when I all of a sudden was on the run. It was a point, I can tell you about uh, that later, but I was like, I was, we were talking so much about uh, doing time, you know, and he, he told me how he had, uh, had uh, how it was for him to be in prison. And some of it was uh, a nightmare and some of it, of it was, you know, okay. And he was like, if I can do time there and not in that prison, I, maybe I can arrange that. So that will be okay, blah, blah, blah. So he was like, I, I felt and understood that he was actually mentally preparing for that and to go home and just face it and, you know, just take it as a man and do the time and that's it. And we were also talking about, because it was in the end when, uh, when you know, uh, he had decided that that was what uh, was going to happen. And I had been in, uh, to Norway and meet uh, the new lawyer that was going to take his case. And they had said, you know, for him to come, we we're going to go back uh, in August. Even the journalist wanted to come and see when he came back and, you know, walked in the door. So then I remember we were like sitting like uh, on the table and I was the police officer. And I, he was like, yeah, ask me this, ask me this, because it's like, he was either I have to take this direction or this direction when I talk to the police. Either I have to tell everything or I have to tell it this way. So we were like, he was uh, telling me the questions. So Role-playing what the scenario was going to be. Yeah, role-playing uh, the last weeks uh, before uh, it all was over. Mm. So at this point, had, it, had anyone said you're going to get this amount of time if you if you plead guilty, tell the truth, you're going to get this amount of time? Or what, what was the kind of feeling? 
Uh, he would have gotten like four or five years. So not in the grand scheme of things, not that long. No, no, that's not. I mean, that's not. And he was. I mean, he wasn't. He was only some forty some years. So he was. Yeah. He wasn't fifty. And we were also talking about, you know, he was like, uh, I can ask if I can do time in that prison because that's near where I lived. And I was, and I remember that time when he said that. I remember I was like, holy crap, I'm not prepared to go, you know, and visiting someone in prison being 30 some right. something years. But it's like, if he, I got, uh, often people ask me, do you think you would have been together if he lived? And I, my answer is no, but we would have been really good friends right yeah we would have been really close good friends and we would have shared each other on our way in life and right. always been there for and each other the, the, was there an element of um like you say the movie the excitement was that the part of the attraction to him and therefore if that had ended that may have contributed to the relationship ending yeah no uh i uh, absolutely not. No. Um, of course, he was like, uh, I was curious because why, who is this guy? And everyone is like talking about him and everyone is curious, was curious about him. But, uh, you know, all the, because I was like thrown into the media uh, with him. And uh, maybe someone thinks that that's okay and that I wanted that but no I don't find it okay and I don't want it and I don't like it so it's like yeah yeah that's when you write books it's like uh, that's the big uh, you know it's like when you read and write a book obviously everyone knows that you write it but it's like I don't want to be out there all the time you know what I mean so we, you got to the point where you're having conversations about him handing himself in. You're both preparing for the consequences of that happening. What happens next? We are in Sweden. This is uh, the summer in 2005. He gave up. He, he went from Dubai, Dubai to Oman in April. And then uh, it wasn't more to do. So uh, he went to Stockholm, Sweden in June and then I came to Sweden uh, because I had left Oman a week before a week before and then uh, one day he said I am not there anymore I left and at that time we had rented an apartment in a new built house on a, you know in the middle of nowhere in Oman where we were the only people living so he had just left everything the clothes all the computers about tech because he was this tech geek and I remember he said to me you want me to teach you some computer fancy stuff and I was like no it's not my thing but I would like to write I said to him in Oman so if I could just have it like a typing machine you know I would like the old one with papers that I used to have when I was a little girl and he was like yeah yeah you can. and he was like what are you what are you going to do with that and I was like you know everyone wants to write about you everyone wants to tell your story the media is all over uh, us Everyone wants to know where you are. And it's like, I like to write. So why don't I just do something when I sit here? So I'm going to write this story. And he was like, seriously? Yes. So I started writing the book when we were in Oman together. 
So I started, yeah. So I start. So I said, you know, I'm going to write a story, and I publish a book when you are in prison, and let's see how that goes. So you can have something to read while you, while you're in there. <laughs> so so I did. So then he left everything, and all of a sudden, he uh, I got this message one morning. Uh, he was in Stockholm. Uh, so I went to Stockholm. We stayed in a place in Stockholm, which is called Fitja, which was very very bad many years ago. Uh, we stayed there for a day at some people's place, don't ask me who. And uh, I was introduced to this guy and his wife, and uh, this guy, let us call him close. He uh, fixed, in the next the next days, we spent searching for a little cabin, like they went out in the summer, like a typical summer place. Uh, in the coastline of uh, Stockholm, which is a little place called Ekerö, and Klaus uh, helped us doing that. So then we pretended like he used his name and I used my fake name, and he was a fire officer and I was an author. So we just, you know, we should have four week and weeks uh, holiday. And then uh, when we said goodbye to Klaus, Ole Tristan looked at me and said, do you want to carry this? And he handed me a gun. And I was like, what the hell is this? Where the hell did it, that came from? And he was like, you know, we are, I think we need, I need this one now. So all of a sudden, I was in Sweden. The one day, I, the last time I saw him, he was in Oman. Last time, next time I'm in Sweden, and he handed me this Glock, whatever it's called. I don't know. It was a big black thing. So I walked around with that in my purse. I mean, that's just mental to think about. And you, you obviously, you can't use guns in sweden and absolutely not it's like uh, of course i wish i could everyone wants to be lara croft and take off all the birds <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> and when we were in dubai where he lived in dubai at his uh, balcony it was over the garage top so you know they so then you know what do you call this one that goes up and down if, uh, yeah, we saw that one from the from the garage uh, from the balcony. So every time it went up, we had to practice. So we we were like having that practice in the air, as they call it in Dubai. So we, we thought that was funny when I was like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden this uh, this gun came up, and I was just like shocked, and I was like, I because then it's like. Okay, it's a gun. Okay, that's how after five seconds, it's like when the shock is like sinking, it's like, okay, it's a gun. So, okay, let me see, let me feel. Okay, but why? Why do, why, why is this? Where did it, why? So he was like, you know, it's a little bit tighter, everything now. I'm, you know, I'm in this situation now, and we are where we are. And uh, if, the to- we call it torpedoes. You call it, what do you call that? Oh, like a hitman. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. So he was like, <clears throat> you know, I'm not afraid of the police. I'm on my way home. But if the hitman comes, I have been uh, dealing with him before. He had a big, uh, you know, his ankle was like twisted. So he walked funny and he had a gunshot in his arm. So he had been, you know, he had a bodyguard for many years. Right. So uh, that was the it was the hitmans he was afraid of, and he said, you know what, they don't they are not the gentlemen's anymore because it was 2005, and I guess you know that everyone everything's changing, you know, so it's not like let's sit down and talk. Right. It's like bam bam, you're dead. Yeah. 
uh, more or less. So he was like, <clears throat> and then and they were on the door once in Dubai when I was in Norway. So he said to me, if they comes, uh, I need this one. And if they comes, because every time we come uh, came a new place, as we did on the little cabin, the first thing we have to search for when we are searching for a little place to rent, how the hell can you get away from here? Wow, yeah. Like this. Yeah. So it's like, I learned a lot of that from him. And I still have a lot of that. Uh, not a lot, but I still have some things. It's like, okay, that's from that. It's just in me. Well, you, you're living a life where you have to live like that because exactly. that's the uh, situation yeah. you're in and and you've got to protect yourself. Yeah. So, And I mean, in this life, without him, it's like it's a, it was a good training, you know. So he learned me a trick or two. So that was good. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> he had the gun. And uh, he said, if they come, I will uh, have to use it and you have to run there and there and do what we have planned because we always had a plan. And he, al he always had, you know, a little drawer, a little, you know, uh, his card, uh, passport, glasses, paracetamol, and, uh, you know, <laughs> for grab. Ready to yeah, go. I need to go. So, uh, and then, you know, so I slept with that gun under my pillow. I had it in the my purse and my bag when we were out in the car it was just like all of a sudden that was someone new following us day to day every day so that was very you know then it's like oh this is really you know shit this is really heavy shit Lynn. what the hell have you been doing so the, the part when you'd been together in dubai um and then obviously You'd made a decision between you he was going to hand himself in, but you wanted some time, the two of you, in Sweden. No, no, it wasn't that he wanted the time in Sweden. It was that he had to go from Oman, and he didn't want to turn himself in in July, because in July everything is down in Norway. The prison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, that was the reason. So then was it not – was it at that point that you realized – this is really heavy shit, that you hadn't probably realized the extent of it. That was when I, uh, yeah, that was, uh, Stockholm was a whole nother level than uh, Oman and Dubai. Yeah, yeah. In, in every way, the vibes, the people, the, yeah, just the energy, it just was very changed. And uh, it was really like hardcore. And just like, this is, this is not a good thing. And then I, it was not a good thing for me. It was not a good thing for him. And then I just realized that, uh, you know, he has big troubles. He needs to go in fast, you know. I'm glad. And I said to him, I'm, I'm actually proud of you. And I'm really glad that you're doing this, both for, you know, that you stand up and, you you know, go and face it and do your time. and you know, for your life and for your kids and for everyone. It's, seriously. It's time. So he was, yeah, it's time. And he was like, he was also, uh, you know, it's time. I'm starting to getting old. And he was like, for fuck's sake, why didn't I, I didn't manage this one. <laughs> so, you know, he was, uh, yeah, it was very ambivalent. You know, he had a lot of feelings and emotions around it, of course, because then all of a sudden he was, you know, realizing that, you know, I, I didn't make it in Dubai. I can't, you know, make it up to the ones I 
did wrong and uh, he of course had nightmares from I met him uh, to everything that you know his kids because he didn't have any contact with them what he had done with uh, them and their moms and uh, his family and you know so he was just like devastated he was not a machine he wasn't a machine he was a person he was a person yeah mm -hmm. yeah and he had lots of feelings yeah and he wasn't only a cynical criminal uh, man. Uh, obviously, he was that as well, but I didn't know him because he was not the one that I met. Uh, he was not the one that I got to, to know. That was a part of him, but I feel that I got to know, you know, the person. Yeah, the person that you know and you fell in love with was not the, the no. bad guy stealing and hurting. He was a different person for you, and that's who who you loved yeah i was really happy then when he was like you know what i'm going i'm going to tell myself i was really like <sighs> join me next week as we wrap up lynn's account of being involved with ollie christian back the heightened drama in navigating life with a wanted criminal and the days leading up to his mysterious death until next time, I'm Nina Hobson, and this has been Codename Siren. Siren.